Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle. You can find me on the internet at redtailedhawk90, and I use she or they pronouns. Uh, and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade. You can find me on the internet at jadeoxidrose, and I use they, them pronouns. We will be making our way through the books one at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Uh, we are reading book nine, The Secret, today. Um, some book-specific content warnings uh, include depersonalization, similar to what happened with the ants in book five, um, depression, because Cassie sure is going through it, um, and some animals in distress slash hurt animals that are not the Animorphs, um, although we don't see them getting hurt on screen, um, they, they do get hurt. Um, all right. All right. Should we dive right in? Let us dive right in. All right. Uh, cold open. Uh, we're in the science lab after school, and... Uh, Cassie is doing a makeup project because she's getting a D in science. Um, and she, so she has made a maze for a rat to try to make its way through. Um, and she and Rachel are hanging out after school trying to figure out why Cassie's rat can't figure out the maze and can't get to the end of it. Um, I love that the solution to this, fully enabled by Rachel, is like, what if we just like turn into rats to check that the check out the maze and run the maze? Yeah, and they're just but, like. I mean, really, I can't fault that logic. It's personally. good logic. <laughs> I mean, it's it is actually solid logic. Yes, they have this little back and forth um, because of like, oh, Jake wouldn't approve, mm. but you know, <laughs> and it's just it just makes me smile. Yeah, uh, I will say as it goes on, this book has some good Cassie Rachel content. Yes, it does. Like you feel it's that good. Although it's uh, that we have the Rachel is my best friend line, you actually feel it rather than just being told. Yes. Yeah, so. it's it's that good content we've kind of been missing in a lot of the mm -hmm. books. Um, but I love I love that Rachel is aghast that cassie's getting a d <laughs> mm -hmm. um because it's it reminds me of me as a very well achieving student um <laughs> when when fellow like friends mm -hmm. were would say that they're doing really poorly in a subject and i'd be like what <laughs> because i was fucking clueless <laughs> oh i can very much picture a young danielle and that being the case i've got to but um, I, I appreciate that it's not just, oh, bad grades feel bad, but it is like, if I get a D, my parents are going to want to talk to me about it and sit with me doing my homework every night, mm -hmm. which is a thing they can't afford, which is why yes. uh, Rachel, who is the one who suggests that Cassie turn into a rat to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And when Cassie's like, yeah, Rachel wouldn't like she's like, this is a necessity that you don't get a bad grade. Look at that. <laughs> Two necessities. Because <laughs> it's also necessary that there I get that out of school. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I don't yeah. want to be here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Rachel is very good. 
actually. Yep. She's very much an enabler, and it's awesome. Um, Danielle and I would know nothing about what it being an absolutely enabler is nothing. like. Never enabled a person in my life. <laughs> how dare you? How dare you accuse me of such a thing? Pay no attention to this very fine hat that I'm wearing that says "enabler in chief" on it. <laughs> Uh, Cassie says that they both have to morph the rat because Cassie doesn't want to do it alone, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably also because she wants to have that extra kind of layer of security from Jake. It's like, well, we both did it. Mm. I also do like this moment just before they uh, acquire uh, the rat morph, Mm -hmm. where Cassie's like, I probably shouldn't have let her talk me into it, except actually I'd already been considering it. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is fun. Just like, that's the great thing about Rachel. She's always willing to help talk you into doing something you probably shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things that you probably shouldn't do, but you were already thinking of doing, which is a yes. fun and upsetting inverse of Jake, who's always able to talk you into doing something you don't want to do, but you probably should. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hi, I'm here to make Danielle have feelings <laughs> about Jake. <laughs> Good. You're, you're, you're learning very quickly. <laughs> um, so they acquire the rat and morph the rat um they it, it's a fun little thing where we learn about the rat's instincts and how they're controlled by fear there's a lot in this book about the different animals um because it it is thematic to the kind of crisis that um mm-hmm. cassie experiences in this book pretty much every morph that Cassie uses, um, we definitely get the the idea of whether that animal is predator or prey. Mm-hmm. And that um, it's actually a really interesting thing that I, I, I'm realizing as I'm speaking um, that mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but with the prey animals being always nervous and running away from things and the predator animals feeling super confident and uh, analyzing the things around them as whether it can or can't be prey. Mm-hmm. And then the skunk, who is All hail almost, the skunk, just like, I am so chill. Yeah. Nobody who fucks is with me. A prey cause... animal, but isn't afraid mm-hmm. because it's a skunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I find it interesting that Cassie, throughout this book, Cassie repeatedly like thinks about the predator-prey binary. Yeah, destroy all binaries, please. Um, <laughs> but because it's a way of simple, it's a very simple way of looking at it, and Cassie finds refuge in simple binaries. Yes, because as we've talked before, the more options there are, the more Cassie struggles mm-hmm. because of the implications of all the different things. And that's, there's so much stuff about that in this book, like what it means to be a predator, and the, mm-hmm. like the balance of nature. But it's, while you can loosely, I suppose, do that, so many animals are both. Mm-hmm. Like, talking about a rat being a prey animal, it's just like, have you seen rats? <laughs> have you seen what they do? Like... <laughs> The great visuals are like rats stealing pizza and like on the subway and stuff like that. Yes, at the end of the day, there are a lot of animals that eat rats, but also mm-hmm. they are an incredibly smart, wily species that can mm-hmm. be incredibly dangerous. Yes, and they like, can, they they prey on like insects and things. 
Yeah, they, like they and they're pretty omnivorous. They will eat mm-hmm. most things. Their teeth can fucking chew through concrete. Like this is not a. I mean, it takes a little <laughs> while, but like, but once again, it's one of those things where I always find it interesting to see what animals, yeah, uh, K. Applegate get creative on, mm-hmm. or like offer a spin that suits their uh, their narratives. Mm-hmm. I guess. Whereas, like, I've had pet rats as a person. That's probably surprises nobody. I have that vibe. I'm sure. Just like, yes, that person definitely had pet rodents at one point in their life. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but it, yes, it's just it's one of those things where I find it interesting. The animals that you can see, they clearly know well or have done a lot of research in, and some that they go by, well, perhaps common knowledge of. Yes, or common mis. What- yeah, common myths, misinformation, uh, stuff that everybody, stuff that people will repeat as fact, mm-hmm. even if it's not. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So the girls have become rats. Um, from the sounds of it, they are full on lab rats as well. These are yeah. white with like hell's tails kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they common have how they're all basically the same rat because they have the same DNA. Fun, but uh. I like how we dwell on the intelligence of it briefly there, like that awareness, which is Mm -hmm. cool. And then they're both like, okay, we should, we should get moving. Yeah. Uh, They get to the maze. Uh, Cassie figures out that the, that the rat can't finish the maze because the ceiling fan is blowing the scent of the nuts at the end of the maze away. Um, And just as Cassie is kind of celebrating her, discovery and ingenuity um some young boys come in um and in the manner of many young boys that i have known in my life uh, (laughs) these boys immediately decide that they should attack the rats uh and kill the rats frankly um and start trying to one, I mean, they're trying to hit the rats, right? Yeah, they get with, they grab like a broom. Yeah, with with heavy things, um, mm-hmm. and it's a it's an interesting little chase scene. Um, and then uh, the the boys corner the real rat, Courtney, um, Courtney, uh, and Cassie and Rachel basically run up the boys the legs of their pants. Um, and they, the boys freak out, run away. Um, Cassie and Rachel bug out of there <laughs> and go home. <laughs> I love the last mm-hmm. sentence here. Rachel, Rachel and I found a safe place to demorph. Then we went to her house and gave her little sister a home perm. Business as usual. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> and then we kick flipped into the sun. <laughs> um, next chapter, we have a team meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that seems um, more than the usual. Uh, it's only been a couple of days since the last one. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, okay, why, why is a meeting happening? Yeah, and I do like little... that she points out that they do get out on a, f- they do get together on a fairly regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, mm-hmm. but then meet more often if there's a mission happening. Yeah, and uh, I like that. There's almost this moment of. Um, I hope this was only a meeting and nothing else. I had like zero spare time, school, life. That stuff takes time, you know? 
<laughs> it's like I like those little reminders that like there's this whole like mostly off camera stuff that the kids are having to juggle. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Cassie is deep in veterinary assistant mode of scrubbing out cages, um, dealing with a raccoon cage. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's in work mode, so overalls and rubber boots and rubber gloves. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rachel shows up first, and there's just some quality bants, which I res immediately regret saying. I should never say the word bants. It's awful. I'm sorry. <laughs> but there's some good back and forth here between, uh, like, talking about uh, Cassie's outfit. Yep. Uh, is it from Banana Republic? <laughs> uh, and I, I do like that this seems to be a... Uh, a common kind of mock argument between them mm. um, where, you know, Rachel will say, hey, why don't you dress nicer? And Cassie's just like, eh, I don't want to. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, they play it off. You like it? It's part of the Ralph Lauren animal poop collection. Um, <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> Rachel's just like, I'm going to get you, force you to buy a dress, but you can keep the big rubber boots. <laughs> just like like that clear she's like she isn't tr genuinely trying to change cassie as a person yeah like um i love the uh like you're kidding right i asked rachel you can never be totally sure with rachel she just smiled with her ten thousand bright white teeth which is yeah. just like what a good way like a very shark grin kind of mm -hmm. a vibe uh jake and marco show up they are arguing about whether batman could beat spider-man Right. Okay, Jake, you're an idiot, my child. <laughs> this, like, well, one. Okay, through it. One. I love seeing this back and forth because this is some good quality teenager mm -hmm. ridiculous discussion. Two. The choices here of Jake gunning for Batman, the ever prepared vigilante who isn't afraid to do the dark, dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. Uh and a tragic figure versus Marco. Uh, going, going to bat for Spider-Man, the fucking smart-mouthed, clever person. No, I'm just there, just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I see you, Kay Applegate. I assume this was deliberate. If it wasn't, very good coincidence, but I like it. I like it a lot. And three, Jake's argument boiling down to Spider-Man's web would not stick to Batman's body armor is a bullshit argument <laughs> that makes no sense. It doesn't. We no, and um. I do think that Batman could possibly beat Spider-Man because Batman's whole thing is coming up with ways to defeat everybody. That's part of his thing. Mm -hmm. However, Jake's argument is flawed. Come at me in the comments if we want to discuss about Batman v. Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man is a superior character. Pointing at the movies of the last year, which was the better one? It was Into the Spider-Verse because Into the Spider-Verse remains the best superhero uh, movie. Yeah, of all time. It's great. Uh -huh. Love yeah. it. End of document. Uh, we also have, <laughs> to get back to the book, um, and we have the reintroduction of Homer, Jake's dog, who has not a fun time later, but it's cool just to get this little moment here, mm -hmm. um, who is not allowed in the barn. <laughs> Being a dog, Homer believes small animals are meant to be chased. <laughs> Which is a very cute little detail. <laughs> uh, but also, again, that is tying into Cassie's observation about animals mm -hmm. and people. Yeah. So... Uh, but we get the, uh, having heard the intro of Rachel from mm -hmm. Cassie's perspective, we have uh, Jake and Marco, Jake being the one 
leading. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have the whole comment about where she makes the observation about uh, Jake having to act like a kind of general or something. Mm-hmm. Ah. Stop it. Um, <laughs> and then we... Uh, they, but talking about like the seriousness that Jake is able to do and how he makes the little decisions a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But um, we have her smiling about Jake enjoying absurd arguments with Marco. Mm-hmm. And then we have just this cuteness <laughs> over here. To be fair, we also had it earlier. Just like how like he's really good looking, also inside <laughs> and out. And it's just <laughs> adorable. Yeah. Uh, and she, but I like we've got this touch that she worries about the pressure on Jake. It's just Jake and I are kind of... You know, we like each other, as in like. It's just like <laughs> adorable <laughs> babies, <laughs> babies. Uh, but um, yeah. Then we have the thing about Marco, and I do appreciate Cassie's take on Marco because I, I, in this book, you get into the into some of the ways that she finds him a little bit frustrating, mm-hmm. which is actually kind of cool. I like seeing it; feels more real when we see that there are things about each other that they don't vibe with as a group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's people. Um, but yeah, Marco uh, complimenting Cassie's use of manure as a fashion statement and uh, yells at Rachel to stop growing because she's gotten taller. Yep. The, the running uh, gag uh, being that Marco being a sh- short king that he is. Well, also consider that they're 13 and 13 mm-hmm. is the time when the mm-hmm. girls are growing, but the boys haven't started to grow yet. Yeah, and so you get a lot of girls who are taller than the boys, and the boys feeling really uh, self-conscious mm-hmm. about it. Uh huh. <laughs> and then is the thing. Just Rachel patting Marco on the head. I don't look down on you for being short, Marco. I look down on you for just being <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> uh, but their their banter continues, and we have mm-hmm. this moment where uh, Jake gives Cassie this like his rare slow smiles and I'm like mm-hmm, you know this those mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. Uh, I was just like hey I heard this weird story these two guys at school claim they were attacked by a pair of rats and then she's like really I didn't hear about that I said trying not to make the fakey shrill sound I always make when I'm lying <laughs> Jake does not buy it <laughs> no. no he knows exactly what happened uh mm-hmm. Uh, right on cue, Tobias is here because Tobias uh, asked everyone to get together because he and Axe found something. Um, we get... Uh, <laughs> I love that there's this like short three-paragraph introduction of this hawk coming into the barn and looking all majestic and shit. And then it's just, hi, the hawk said. <laughs> <laughs> it's very um, good. Yeah, but we get Cassie's introduction uh, to Tobias, or, or she's introducing Tobias to the reader. Um, and uh, we, again, we get this idea because we got it from, I guess it was Jake last, in his mind mm-hmm. and heart, Tobias is still a human being. But Cassie tacks on this thing at the end, mostly. Mm-hmm. I feel <laughs> uh, like this is maybe a precursor of her issues with what Tobias does. As yeah. a predator, yeah. So, um, like a little I, precursor to that. I th- I think she. On the one hand, it's nice because I think she, out of everybody else, is the most accepting of Tobias. Um, of 
the way that Tobias identifies with being a hawk now. Like, everybody else is like, no, you're human, you're human, you're human, you're human. And Cassie's kind of repeats what Tobias says, which is, I'm a human, and also kind of a hawk. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's it's kind of nice to see that reinforced in Cassie, but also, like, damn, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> but we're the nice ones. They will come out with comments like that, apparently. The privacy <laughs> in their own head. <laughs> Um, I guess what I like about that or what maybe catches me about that is mm -hmm. it's one thing to accept the duality of somebody being both. Mm -hmm. That that phrasing implies something lesser. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, like, it's like that whole thing just like non-binary isn't like woman or man light. Mm -hmm. It's its own encompassing thing. Yeah. Which is like, Tobias is both. And that doesn't, and he, that he, I, it's a complicated thing. And <laughs> even from his perspective, like the two, it's like very much two parts of him. Yes. And yeah, mm -hmm. having it put like that just feels almost mean. Yes. It's so. as if he's losing his humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is not true. I think Tobias is one of the most compassionate people on the team. Mm hmm. Agreed. Uh, we get this little detail about how um, when Rachel greets Tobias, mm -hmm. uh, she says how she thought he'd maybe stop by. We get this detail that he sometimes hangs out with Rachel uh, into her room and watches TV or reads things that he can't do in the wild or mm -hmm. human things. And he was going to. Uh, um, but this thing with Axe happened. Yeah. Yep. And then that. Because, yeah, then we get that sort of doubling down. Uh, we get the introduction of Axe. He's the sixth person in our group. He's even less human than Tobias. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, mm. <laughs> choice of, that's a, that's a phrase in choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's not a human at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lordy. But um, Axe isn't going to come to the meeting because he's keeping an eye on things or four eyes, as it may be. And it turns out that uh, there is a logging operation occurring in the forest. Um, Cassie is immediately extremely upset because, you know, people trying to chop down the forest is bad for a variety of reasons. Um, but everybody else is like, okay, why do we care? <laughs> um, and Tobias answers that. Uh, you know, yeah, you might care about who is doing the logging because uh, this logging company has a command center deep in the forest that's protected by a force field. Oh, and also they have guards walking around with automatic weapons. <laughs> and I love, <laughs> I love Tobias. The building is protected by a force field, a force field that seems to stop anything that gets near. I tried to fly closer and it was like hitting a wall. Also, there are armed guards walking the perimeter around the building and patrolling up and down the access road. Oh, Jake said. The <laughs> <laughs> good O. Um, yeah. And so Rachel's just like, yeah, because I wonder why they'd want to be logging the forest. Cassie is still on Mother nature earth goddess vibes just like they just want to destroy the habitat mm -hmm. um, but she also understands that they're not just destroying animal habitat here yeah they're wanting to uh 
flush out the Andalites that they believe are out there. Yes. And they're not, you know, the Yurks aren't entirely wrong. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That is where Axe has been running around and where Tobias is living. So. Mm -hmm. Um, And they uh, decide to go check it out. Um, Marco points out that the Yurks would be expecting them uh, because uh, look, the Yurks believe we're a band of Andalites, right? They think only Andalites can morph. They figured out that the forest is the only place a group of Andalites could be hiding. Let's face it, if we were Andalites, we wouldn't exactly be able to rent an apartment. Uh, Which means that they think we're out in the forest, so they have to be prepared for an attack. They're going to be totally ready for any strange group of animals that show up. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cassie is still stuck on how the Yerks even got permission to cut trees in a national forest, which are, you know, protected by law. Um, and Marco doesn't care why, but we'll see in a bit that Cassie has the right of it because mm-hmm. uh, if the Yerks don't have permission, then they can't do the logging because the Yerks yeah. don't have everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the uh, the group divvies up into two squads. Um, Jake is assigning teams, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like, "I'll go with Rachel in Peregrine Falcon Wolf, um, and Rachel's going to be Eagle. Tobias can show them the way, and Cassie and Marco are going to get a different perspective." And Cassie's just like, "Why can't I go with Rachel?" It's like it's not that I don't like Marco; he just grinds my git. Ge- he grinds my nerves sometimes. At which point Jake's just like, because you and Rachel just egg each other on. (laughs) So he knew about the rat thing. He definitely knew. Uh, Still, it kind of bothered me. Oh, you mean like you and Marco egg each other on? And Jake nods and winks at her. And just like, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, exactly. Which I appreciate (laughs) the acknowledgement of like, yeah, that's what partially why I split up me and Marco also. Uh Yep. But um, yeah, I made the observation here that one, I like the reasoning, and I like the back and forth, and mm-hmm. it's just very good. But uh, it's the second time in as many pages that parallels are being drawn between Cassie and Rachel's friendship and Jake and Marco's friendship. Yes. Which one is a good shorthand to go, these two things have equal weight with each other, but I like that reinforcing of they're not so different. Mm-hmm. And like again, the similarities and differences within the group and how they function. Yes. Together, which makes the whole the fact that then there's Axe and Tobias who are their own little pair. Yeah. By necessity yeah. as much as anything else. It it does call back to the fact that, you know, they were a very they all knew each other beforehand by some relatively loose connections. Yeah. You know, like Rachel and Cassie had a connection. Cassie had a connection with Jake. Um Rachel and Jake have connection because they're cousins and Jake and Marco have connection because they're friends. But like Rachel and Marco and Cassie and Marco don't Mm -hmm. necessarily have the strongest bonds with one another. And Tobias, of course, has the least number of bonds with any of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And and you, you can see how that evolves over time. and how they learn more about each other and how each other, like how everyone works. Um, and they'll grow together and grow closer together as a group 
but there will kind of always be these kind of not divisions, but a weaker versus stronger bonds present. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I mean, and that is the the way of people, and that's the mm-hmm. way of any group. There are going to be some connections that are closer than others, but it it does make these moments where people back each other up mm-hmm. all the more have more, all the more weight for it. Because, like, obviously, yes, you expect this person to do that for this person, but like they would do it for anyone in that group. Mm-hmm. It just sort of underscores how tight knit they need to be. Yep. But, uh, uh, so, mm-hmm. Go ahead. As I said, Cassie and Marco. Uh, reach the edge of the forest and i like the transition here like the physical transition as cassie describes it like the her farm literally backs up onto the edge of the forest mm-hmm. like how one step is grass the next is pine needles and fallen leaves and let me tell you me jade has major envy because like i love forests <laughs> like, like there are none near me so it's a thing america you so big you got so yeah. many trees yeah i, I want to come there me of that like, Love that thing that's uh, Europe is scary because it's old. America is scary because it's big. It's big. <laughs> it be. Yep. I like. I don't think we have any megafauna here, or flora for that matter, mm. anymore. If there were, they are long gone. Whereas, like in the states, you still have them. So <sighs> it's good. Yeah. Nature is good. Nature is good. Nature is good. But uh, yeah, we have Cassie and Marco um, getting ready to uh, take on their wolf morphs. Uh, we have this conversation about, like, is it still weird? Do you still think it's weird? Or is it still weird for you? Or does it ever creep you out? Um, and we have Marco commenting on how Cassie's the best at morphing. Mm-hmm. And she tries to play it off. And he says, yeah, but even Axe says you're really good at it. <laughs> And then and then they fucking start the morph. And she morphs just the head of the wolf first. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Marco's like, see, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> see, I'm as that went on, I misread a part because we have the morphing and they're just like Cassie says, I didn't really think about I didn't really think much about it. Sometimes my brain just seems to have its own ideas about morphing. And in between those two lines it said, I said. I read that first as I lied. Because just <laughs> Just unfair judgment of me, perhaps. But, um, <laughs> because that's the whole thing. I forget the term that Axe uses, but it's like you can work at it, right? But there are some yeah. people who are innately better. Yeah. And at, a stream. Yeah. And I like that thought that that Cassie's just sort of like, it's not a conscious effort, but like her body seems to know how best to do it. But there are definitely some times where it's implied that she's thought about it. Yes. And we saw Sorry. in Megamorphs 1 that she can do things with morphing that the others can't. Yeah. Um, when, you know, she puts her mind to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, the kids fully get into wolf morph. We have the fun thing about how the ears of wolves are amazing, but not as good as the sense of smell. And mm-hmm. they're both like slight sensory overload, but in the good way, get like yep. the morphing high, mm-hmm. as it were. Um, and the two of them uh, head off. Yep. I do like that Cassie uh, is able to identify the stuff on her own clothes, including uh, what she assumes is the scent of axe or an andalite specifically, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. But then, yes, off they go. Uh, so they run into the forest. 
uh, there's a cute moment where Jake's like, <laughs> where Jake and Jake and Rachel spot them as they get closer, um, and uh, you know Tobias is like, all right, so we're gonna head out because we're diurnal birds of prey. We're not gonna be able to see much for much longer. And Cassie's like, well, you saw us. And Tobias is like, yeah, but you're a pair of great big wolves. That's not much of a challenge. Now that flea crawling by your ear. You can't see a flea, I said. <laughs> and Tobias just like chuckling. <laughs> can't I? <laughs> it's, it's cute as hell. <laughs> Which I think is almost payback for when Jake was like, oh, there's a flea on you, Tobias. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tobias is like, I have fleas. What? <laughs> All this about fleas. Like we had Tobias with the flea on him. And, and uh, then we axe. had axe <laughs> with the flea powder. <laughs> I guess I guess this forest is just flea ridden. Mm-hmm. Apparently. <laughs> um but yes, so the two in Wolf Morph get a better close up and we get a, a description of what this command center looks like. And uh, it's a serious operation. Um, yeah, it's there, there's a lot going on here. They have spotlights and, uh, windows that they can't see into and a bunch of guards with automatic weapons and fucking uniforms. Um, it's all very extreme for a logging camp. Um, but they can't hear or smell anything that's coming from inside because, uh, there's a force field in the way. Um. And they notice that there's some noise behind them, and uh, they realize that they're being circled. Um, and then the spotlights are on them, and there's gunfire and dragon fire, and everyone's running, and um, um, a net gets dropped on them. A net gets dropped on them. Cassie manages to get out from under it, or you know, before it falls all the way. Um, but she realizes that Marco is was trapped by it so she has to double she back. Runs back and i like how it doesn't say there's no thought on it mm-hmm. it's literally i ran back mm-hmm. and that nice sort of reflection of marco grinds on my nerves but she doesn't even hesitate to go back for him yeah um even though and- he's yelling you know don't get killed for me get out of here and she's telling him to shut up yeah and get a move on uh, they're struggling to get the net off Marco because of how heavy it is. And then Axe shows up uh, mm-hmm. and slices the net open like narrowly, <laughs> a little long gash just in front of Marco's nose. Yep. Um, and then, <laughs> but they get out from under the net, uh, get Marco out from under the net. They're running. Uh, I just, I appreciate this. Gunfire, good old fashioned human, very deadly gunfire. Yep. And we've got the three of them screaming. Yep. Um, Cassie yelled, Marco yelled, Axe agreed, all the same sort of, ah, which is very good. And uh, two wolves and an Andalite set a new record speeding away from that place. Yep. Uh, they all meet up back at the edge of the forest near to Cassie's farm. Um, and Marco's like, okay, I think we answered the question about whether that's just an ordinary logging camp. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, Axe is berating himself because he didn't spot the nets in the treetops. He detected the force field and suspected the dragon beams in the upper levels, but the nets were so primitive I overlooked them. Like, okay, Axe. And like, Jake's, Jake's just like, none of us saw the nets, okay? Um, I do I like, uh, because Axe is 
And we'll see this on in a couple of occasions. Axe will really berate himself, like, and really get down on himself when, like, he misses something. Um, mm-hmm. Not even necessarily that he does something wrong, but, like, he wasn't 100% prepared, I guess, even I for things because, he couldn't have known. I suppose it's because he feels like what he brings to the group. Yeah. And also, while he's getting better about it, he is still meant to be, like, the smart one. He's mm-hmm. the Andalite. He's supposed to understand how to fight the Yurks. Mm-hmm. So um, when he draw, and he's also had been a, he's been a, he's a child soldier. He's been yep. trained to yep. be a certain way. And when he lets down the group, when he lets down his prince, mm-hmm. it's he beats himself up for it, and it's upsetting. Yeah. I do like that Jake is is uh, almost always very good about kind of like shooting down that line of mm. self-deprecation very quickly um, b- when it is undeserved. Um, but yeah, it's a Yurk operation. Um, and everyone's like, okay, we have to do something about this. Tobias and Axe do both live in the forest and we do use the forest, so we need to stop them. And then Cassie points out, you know, we're not the only thing going on here. Um, and everyone kind of like looks at her like, okay. And she takes a deep breath because she recognizes that the thing that she's about to say is not necessarily against the group, but there, it's not going to be taken well. Yeah. Cause she avoids Um, conflict and this mm -hmm. is going to cause conflict. Right. And she says, I mean, you know, this force is important. Even if Tobias and Axe weren't here, it makes me sick to think of people chopping down all the trees. Um, and of course. She's right, because Marco immediately goes on, Oh, please, not the Earth Mother thing, okay? I almost got myself fried by a dragon beam. It wasn't to save Bambi, all right? Um, Look, Marco, we're not the only animals around. We, of all people, ought to understand that. Cassie, who cares? We're fighting to save the world from yurks. Who cares about some ecology tree-hugging recycle-your-cans stuff? I do, I said. Well, that's you. Personally, what I care about is the fact that a bunch of Yurks have that fortress back there and they're going to use it to tear up these woods looking for us. Um, And then Jake interrupts and says, it doesn't matter whether we have different ideas about why we need to destroy the logging camp. The point is that we need to destroy it. We need to stop this from happening. Uh, And Cassie gets really annoyed with Jake. Um, I mean, I understand that he has to consider everyone's ideals ideas equally but still it was like he was agreeing with marco that it didn't matter if the forest was wiped out as long as we survived um (laughs) and like the conversation just goes on from there after cassie is kind of shut down even rachel doesn't agree with cassie on this and frankly uh well, well we'll we'll talk about that in a moment um and then we get into the whole uh, the whole thing about... How they're going to do it. Um, we need to know how the Yurks got permission, because then if we can find a way to have them not have the permission to do the logging, then we can uh, stop them from doing it without having to actually fight them. Um, we get a cute moment. Jake cocked an eyebrow at his best friend. See, Marco, this is why Cassie is a nicer person than you. She could have said, they don't want that. Duh. <laughs> um, 
but you know, basically they 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 decide that they have to get into the logging camp so that they can get access to whatever computers or logs that they have so they can find out who made the decision to uh give them the go ahead basically um but let's mm-hmm. let's talk about this kind of thing from Cassie um and I wrote out a really long note in the document um because here we kind of get Cassie's thesis and what she does her her role in the group right um mm-hmm. Cassie is the only one out of the six of them that allows themselves to think about after like after the war after we beat the Yerks. um like what kind of world will be left who will they be will they be able to live with themselves um she's the only one who thinks about it well that's not fair. She's like the others think about it like, oh, what are we going to do? Are we going to go to college? We saw that in um, Rachel's book, Rachel's book seven, when she went to visit Tobias. Right. Mm-hmm. But Cassie's the only one to think about the implications of their actions on that future. Right. The others are like, oh, how can we ever go back to normal life? And she says, and Cassie is the one who says, all right, well, there will be a normal life. We have to make sure that there is a normal life after this. Um, and it's part of why Cassie can be so infuriating. Um, because as a reader and, you know, as her teammates, you know that there can't be an after if they don't get through this now. Um, you know, they, their survival is the most important thing. Um, and there are many cases in which we see Cassie make a call for everyone based on what she thinks is right. Um, and uh, at great cost to not only herself, but to all of the others um, and to the war effort. Um, and so it can be really, really frustrating to see her make these kind of decisions and arguments about um, the things that they are doing in order to win the war. But also at the same time, you can recognize on a kind of higher level, you know, what is the point of them fighting if they destroy the things that they were trying to save? Right. Part of the like the whole reason that Cassie is fighting is because she recognizes that the Yerks aren't only a threat to humans on planet Earth. They're a threat to planet Earth. Um, And if we allow the planet to be destroyed in the process of fighting the Yerks, then. You know, we've saved the world for for nothing almost. Um. But it's it all kind of comes back to this argument um, of it does it matter if X happens as long as we survive? Does it matter if we do X as long as we survive? Um, what kinds of things are acceptable losses or acceptable behaviors if it means your survival for another day? Yeah. And it, it plays into like ideas around the greater good and and things like that as well. Like, mm-hmm. but also, and and this is not to disparage anyone makes choices, but the way Cassie talks about animals 
mm-hmm. and the environment. Now, I'm not saying that she is wrong to care about these things. I'm certainly not trying to imply that, but it's the sort of person that tends. This is going to come across, and I'm trying not to be controversial, as I said, <laughs> but people who put uh, animals on the same level of priority as people. Yes. Now, whether or not you find that something you agree with or disagree with is a personal argument. Given that there are many people, based on the what you see online, who will put animal welfare, welfare above that of human welfare, mm-hmm. to live a certain kind of healthy vegan lifestyle, yes, and there are ways to do that without, you know, contributing to awful conditions for like farmers and things like that. But it's one of those things that that because we don't see her give that kind of weight to humans at all, mm-hmm. that I think is why it catches me wrong. Yeah. It's not like, because she's not saying as well. It's yes. like, and I appreciate that the others are very much like, especially particularly Rachel, who's very outwardly focused on others. Mm-hmm. And like Jake is very big picture focused as is Marco. Uh, in in his way, because of how Cassie phrases her arguments and frames her arguments, she is going through this very specific lens. It does come across that she doesn't care about people, mm-hmm. that she only cares about the yeah. animals. And well, yeah, somebody needs to, and it's a mm-hmm. good position to have, but that shouldn't be the only position you're holding. Yes. And that's, I think, why it comes across, at least to me, like say, as infuriating. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, it's and it it does kind of tie back into her kind of crisis in this book with, you know, am I as a human just a predator? Um, in 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 the world of nature, red and tooth and claw, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if if humans are just animals that are predators that are um there to hunt and be hunted then you know what quote-unquote right do we have to go outside of quote-unquote nature to fight back right yeah um and it is it like it's a very skewed argument and I think I think you can rationalize it part, partly as she's 13 and yes she she doesn't have the kind of range of knowledge and experience to actually contextualize these things and like when I mm-hmm. think about myself as a 13 year old who was in you know the zoo magnet program for my middle school Mm-hmm. And was all about animals all the time. Like, I definitely had a lot of these kind of black and white thinking um, with regards to animals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, the the kind of thinking that makes you argue that, you know, humans are uh, 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 a plague on the earth and should not be here at all because they're just destroying everything and all that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, Which uh, that is a a stance that you can take. You can argue it. There is some evidence for it, but like that ignores 
humanity mm. um, in a very kind of baseline sense. Um, and uh, I, th- I think you're right in drawing the, co- the connection to like the militant vegans who argue that like, like PETA, mm-hmm. right. Um, who argue that um, any, any instance of any animal being hurt um, is worse than any instance of any human being hurt. Yeah. Of, I don't care, you know, as uh, you eating meat is totally wrong, even though, you know, it's the way that your people have lived for eons, right? Um, Yeah. You must instead try to live off of this crop that you can't actually grow where you live. You must now import it, you know? Um, yeah. And it's it it's frustrating. Um as especially as an adult who kind of grew out of this mindset yeah. to read it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop being frustrating. She continues to be like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I, I like the, I, I think I told you before recording, like, I like the concept of Cassie. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the, the idea of someone on the team who forces the group to think about the decisions that they're making and that they're willing to make. Right. Yes. Um, the same reason that I wrote the heart playbook in, uh, idiot teenagers mm-hmm. with a death wish. Right. Um, <clears throat> and it's something that Adrian is doing uh, a good job of, or August is playing Adrian doing a good job of mm-hmm. um, just th- that person who isn't willing to do anything to win. Yeah. Um, whereas the others find that that line is much more diffuse and fungible um, mm-hmm. for this person. It's, you know, there is a line. Yeah. Like, you do need somebody to have, to be that person. For sure. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the group needs it. But that does, yeah, it doesn't necessarily make it any more palatable. Yes. So. Yeah. But I think, yeah, framing it in the fact that she is 13 is an imp- helps, you know, like, because yeah. your worldview is simpler, and as you learn more, it expands and it becomes more complex. Mm-hmm. So, it's also actually, and oh look, here comes the autism train. Choo choo! <laughs> it's a very neuro uh, diverse, no, divergent thing to be like. If you mm-hmm. think, if you look at like nature and animals as Cassie's special interest or hyperfixation, then mm-hmm. it becomes like oh. Yeah, I know. I I have definitely been that person in the room. <laughs> like, oh, many times. So it, it yeah. just I don't necessarily know yet, but you know, I'll put those goggles on uh going forth. But adds another sort of way of another lens with which to view Cassie's behavior, which can 
an attitude, which can be deeply frustrating. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you don't have that view, it's very easy to just be annoyed by it. Yeah. And and Cassie is one of the least liked people, I think, by the fandom at large. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that Danielle and I were saying again before we went live is it's deeply unfortunate that such a polarizing characterization is on a black girl when mm-hmm. these sorts of characters are so often maligned by fandoms and treated incredibly poorly by fandoms. Yeah. And it's one of those instances where, quote, colorblind casting. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Tricky. Tricky. Um, I do like at the end of this chapter when Cassie is trying to talk about, you know, what they should do, how mm-hmm. Jake, Jake basically gives her the floor. Um, and you can see, first of all, so Jake winked at me and I forgave him for acting like Marco was right before. <laughs> what do you think we should do? And then immediately Cassie is, uh, hating being in the spotlight. I shrugged. I hate having to think of things that might end up getting people hurt or killed. Like <laughs> that's a really, uh, almost privileged kind of stance to have there. Cassie looking at Jake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but she speaks very haltingly. I guess, I mean, okay. Um, okay, look, <laughs> the Yerks must have gotten to someone. They must have one of their controllers in some kind of high position. We need to find out who. Um, and Tobias asks how they do that. And she says, I guess I looked at Jake for help. I knew the answer. I just didn't want to say it. See, when we make plans, we tend to end up in ter- terrible danger later on. And Jake fucking comes to her rescue. Mm-hmm. We have to get inside that building, Jake said, for me. Like, <laughs> this sits so badly. And I know it's established that he will make the decisions and calls I that know. people don't want to have to make. But at the same time, that it's not consciously manipulative. Yeah. But it also is manipulative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's... <sighs> Go ahead. No, I just, it sits bad. And there's a few instances of stuff sitting bad mm-hmm. in this book for me. Yeah. So it's, I, the thing that I hate about this is that she, she looks to Jake to make the decision for her, to mm-hmm. say the thing for her so that she doesn't have to, because Cassie doesn't like to get her hands dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jake, whether because he recognizes that this is a weakness that Cassie has and he needs to account for that, or because just he likes her and doesn't want her to mm-hmm. have to do this kind of thing, you know, wants to take that responsibility onto himself for her. Yeah. If, if Jake never did that kind of thing for anybody else, it would feel worse. Yes. Because we've seen him do similar, yeah. but at the same time, the way he does it for other people isn't the same. Yeah. Like, for Rachel, it's different. It's almost like for Rachel, he, like, endorses stuff so mm-hmm. she can do what she does best. Mm-hmm. And in Marco's case, it's actioning 
things mm-hmm. because Marco isn't that person. And Marco probably knows that to be cal- he's the least, arguably the least liked. Mm-hmm. Like, because he says the unpopular things. Yes. He says the stuff that, that people don't want to hear and he knows it. And he's already that guy. Mm-hmm. But with Jake doing this for Cassie, it both is a tactical maneuver and also feels, because of the nature of his and Cassie's relationship, I think it adds a quality to it that I don't like. Yeah. I suppose almost like it's, it reminds me of an unhealthy codependent mm-hmm. dynamic. That, that's what yes. it is. Yes. Just like, I won't force you to do the hard thing. I will let my partner, who is good at doing the hard thing, do the hard thing. Because that's what he does for me. Yes. And that's enabling bad behavior <clears throat> on both of their parts. Yep. Yes, that's exactly it. Um, if, they, if they were adults, that would be so much worse. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those things where you can do things with, or you can portray things with children characters that just wouldn't work with adults because you would be straight into like villain territory. Mm-hmm. So... And like I understand Cassie's reluctance here because I Absolutely. I have definitely been that person who's like offered advice and then the people look to me to actually make the decision and I'm like uh, mm, uh well <laughs> but at a certain point you have to take responsibility for the advice mm-hmm. that you or yeah. uh knowledge that you're putting out into the world um yeah. Otherwise, you're asking someone else to take a risk that you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where, like, it, I said before, Cassie doesn't like conflict, which makes the fact that she and Jake, spoilers for like they don't have a full-blown argument, really interesting. And also that it was so hard to read. It felt so real to a real-life argument. Mm-hmm. I was getting deeply uncomfortable reading it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, that's a really well-written argument. I'm going to, like put the pdf down and just like do something else for a couple of minutes <laughs> do a lap know. come back do a lap <laughs> um oh man i lost my train of thought crap hmm. she doesn't like oh, conflict. Yeah, she doesn't like conflict and i think also she doesn't want to be not liked mm-hmm. she likes being quote the nice one mm-hmm. she is the kind one and i think she defines herself by that as much as marco does by being funny as much as jake does by being strong and like stoic and it is i don't as somebody like i very much worry about people's opinions of me mm-hmm. i'm also have gotten to the point in my life and it, when i was younger i will say the thing that people don't want to hear because somebody has to say the thing sometimes and mm-hmm. i've come to the understanding there are plenty of people in this world who don't like me and there are going to be people in the future who don't so fuck it <laughs> and i realize part of that is helped by the autism and part of that is running out of fucks as I get older. Mm-hmm. And I think, but that attitude of I'm not scared for people to not like me because what I think I'm doing is the right thing is also a thing that's easier to do as you get older. Yes, absolutely. And even then, if you're, yeah, because like as teenagers, like other people's opinions mean so much to you. Yes. It's like, it's one of the biggest mechanics in masks is your labels and how other people can directly change how you view yourself Mm -hmm. and so much of how you think about yourself is tied up in other people's. So it's hard. It's, it's incredibly hard, but also again, it gets down to frustration. Just like, just say the thing. 
Paul, rip the Band-Aid. <laughs> like, yep. But that's a very easy thing to say as like an adult. Yeah. That said, I think as a teenager, I would have also found that equally frustrating. <laughs> yeah. So. And, you know, it's it's also super frustrating that, you know, she's looking to Jake to do this for her when, you know, just a couple of chapters earlier, she was worried about Jake for having to make all of these decisions. Mm-hmm. Ah, Cassie, why do you Cassie. do this? <laughs> why are you like this? Why do you have to be a complex character? <laughs> Why do you have to contradict yourself all the time? You know, like a person. Honestly. <laughs> um, but yes, to move on from the great Cassie debate to back to the plot. <laughs> um, so they've determined they need to get in the building. And um, Rachel being Rachel, of course, is the one to say, I don't know any animals big enough to force away inside that place, which is not the first time. We've seen Rachel's instinct is to go big. Mm -hmm. um, and Cassie's counter is not big, small, very small. And that was when the foreboding kicked in, dear readers. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> things never go wrong when they morph very small things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but before we have that particular trauma, we have this scene with uh, Cassie and her dad. Yeah, it's very cute. Basically, her dad uh, is, like, right on her when she comes in. He's like, oh, so where have you been? What have you been doing? Oh, uh, do you have anything planned? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, why? And he says, oh, I, you know. Going to be a, I think it's very solemn. Yeah. So, and so Cassie's media like, I know he wasn't serious. That's the way he is. <laughs> I guess he has a dry sense of humor. That's what Jake says anyway. He thinks my dad is the funniest man on the planet. Which is just so cute and good. Yeah. Um, and basically she's like, so what's going on? And he's like, well, I just got an, a, a call from Highway Patrol. They said this certain animal is out by the side of the, the highway. Uh, this certain animal seems to have a bad burn. Um, we have to drive out and get it. Actually, I'll drive and you'll get it. <laughs> and she's like, there's only one animal in all the world my dad was afraid of. He handled foxes and wolves and even bears, but he could, would not handle this certain animal. Are you telling me it's a skunk? I asked. <laughs> you have such a way with skunks, he said. They like you. <laughs> and I've, I've got a meeting tomorrow. I can't show up smelling like skunk. <laughs> This is doubly funny because I don't know about in the States, but um, skunk is also slang for a certain kind of weed here. <laughs> no, yeah. Oh, yeah, you have yeah, that too. Oh, you, okay, cool. I yeah, if you sure. skunk up a room, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, but basically, uh, her dad is traumatized because he was sprayed by a skunk once and smelled horrible because mm -hmm. it was in the face and he had to sleep outside mm -hmm. for six days. Um, I love that before the incident. Because <laughs> like his mom, her, her mom doesn't want to do it either. She's like, you're both highly qualified vets. How can you be scared? She's like, I wasn't before. <laughs> you do because have you a had way one bad skunks. experience. He sprayed yeah. me six times in about three seconds. I smelled for a week. 
Your mother made me sleep in the barn, except the other animals there all became agitated, so I had to set up a tent in the yard. Then we had to burn the tent, my mother added. (laughs) You do have a way with skunks, my father said. Actually, you have a way with all animals. Come on, you know skunks love you. A burned skunk by the side of a highway loves no one, I said. (laughs) Uh, But... But clearly, uh, she is convinced as 10 minutes later they're on the highway driving the new pickup truck because mm-hmm. my father's old beloved pickup truck had been stolen and totally destroyed. At least that's what my dad believed. Actually, we sort of had to borrow it in this terrible battle. Marco had been driving and Marco cannot drive. <laughs> <laughs> Just very good. So they get to the spot um, and they, after a little while, they find the skunk Um and we get we get some exposition about skunks, um, about how they are really sweet uh, because they don't have to be mean uh, because most everything knows not to fuck with a skunk, um, except dogs apparently. Except dogs because dogs are dumb, um, <laughs> and uh, and so she finds a skunk, moves very slowly towards it, eventually is able to get its trust enough to pick it up, realizes why it's hurt um, or how it's hurt, and there's a burn across the skunk's back, a perfectly semicircular burn as if someone had simply sliced a scoop out of it Um, because the skunk must have been caught in the crossfire when the Yerks were firing at Cassie and Marco at the compound because they are this place where she finds the skunk is very close to the compound. and uh, we get this thing. Aiming at me and Marco, the Yerks had hit the skunk instead. A completely innocent animal caught in the crossfire of the war between Yerks and humans. The Yerks would destroy all the forest and all its animals to get at us. Um, and Cassie says she's sorry to the skunk and then takes it back to the Wildlife Rehab Center. Um, and, like, this is the thing from Cassie that I do kind of like it's the Yerks would destroy all the forest and all its animals to get at us is these animals are it's unacceptable for this forest to be the collateral damage yeah for like us. it's an innocent bystander yes um what's that exchange in MASH about how uh, war is hell mm-hmm also uh like I think Hawkeye is talking to the to the to the pastor it's just like, which is worse, war or hell? Mm-hmm. And he says, "Well, it's hell because there are no, in a, there are no innocent bystanders in hell. Uh, yeah. War is worse because there are no innocent bystanders in hell." Yeah. Um, you know, kids' literature. Kids' literature. It's fine. Um, they meet at the mall later to discuss their options. Um, Tobias. Uh. God, again, with the ragging on Tobias, um, because they all meet and they want to act normal. And so, like, everyone does their own things, like Mar- Jake and Marco shoot hoops and p- 
play video games. Oh my Rachel god, goes to I gymnastics. missed this paragraph. Yeah, Fuck. yeah. Jesus uh, Christ. Cassie, Cassie takes care of animals at the wildlife rehabilitation clinic. There was nothing we could do to make Tobias seem normal. He was way past being normal. But Tobias came from a terrible, messed up background, shuttling from one indifferent aunt or uncle to another. He'd never really been part of a family or a structure, and sadly, no one seemed to notice when he simply disappeared. Like, Fucking god damn, wow. Cassie. <laughs> Fucking wow. That's cold. It is. Like, Which damn, comes Cassie. back to my whole how Cassie views animals versus how Cassie apparently views Tobias. Right. Ugh. Anyway. Anyway. Fuck that. Uh, um, Cassie is uh, trailing Rachel around the clothes stores. Um, mm -hmm. As they shop, they quote unquote bump into the boys, um, which is Jake, Marco, and Axe. In Philip Morph. In Philip Morph. <laughs> I think uh, strikingly, ha uh, strikingly handsome boy. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, Axe has apparently inhaled a plate of nachos. Yeah, but not eaten the plate this time. Yep. <laughs> they tasted of grease of salt plus another flavor that reminded reminds me of some delicious engine oil I tried once. In case like engine oil, Axe, I mean, Philip, you know how I mentioned you can't eat cigarette butts or dry oil? Add engine oil to the list. Yes. There are many rules for eating. <laughs> oh, bless. Uh, and then Buck's like, if we're done with this little side trip into the bizarro zone, let's deal with business. Yep. Tobias uh, went by Jake in the morning with some more information because Tobias has a pathological need to be useful and continues to try to get as much information as possible to prove that he can be of use to the group. Um, uh, <laughs> see, I can do that thing where I hurt you too. <laughs> mm -hmm. yes, you can. <laughs> um, and Tobias basically got more information. You know, the controllers have little transponders that let him pass through the force field. Axe says that the transponder is keyed to the biochemical signature of the wearer, um, which is really just a plot reason for having to morph bugs. Um, right. I got to say something about this like, quickly. <laughs> Uh -huh. When we get there, I thought it was going to be like, because the force field extends underground. No, it doesn't. They could have literally turned into gophers or yeah. moles. Yeah. Something just like burrow in. Just like, just like nah, bugs. We're going to go with the most traumatic morph we can find <laughs> for plot reasons. Yep. Like, gophers are a thing. They're not here in the UK, but gophers are a thing. <laughs> Any a mouse. Anything. Yep. yep. When they first said something small, I was going, oh, they could use the rat morph. That would be a cool way. Of no. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. Instead, Tobias noticed that there were holes in the wood foundation of the building that are probably from termites. Yep. And everyone is like, Cassie's like voicing it first, like how awfully close termites are to ants. Yep. And we all remember the ants book. <laughs> But uh, it's okay. Jake's done some research on the internet. They aren't as vicious, apparently, and we just have to morph a termite from that colony. We'd fit right in, and everybody looks traumatized. Like yeah. Cassie's having struggle, struggling to breathe. Marco's face is turning grey. Even Axe looks grim. Yep, <laughs> you're not serious, right? I mean, termites, termites. I probably I sounded slightly hysterical. I know I felt slightly hysterical. 
And I like here that Jake is like, I don't know how else to do it. Like, it's not mm-hmm. a decision he's made lightly. Maybe give this boy a book of what animals are res- local in the area. You, know, <laughs> you gave Axe an a- almanac. Like. Yeah. But, like, Jake stresses the importance of the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, but Mark's like, oh, but we need, uh, we need to get a termite, right? Because they're all inside the force field. How, and, how are we uh, going to get a termite? <laughs> and Tobias got them a termite. Yep. Yeah, he's, because Tobias, again, with his pathological need to be useful, like, he didn't go talk to Jake and then go back and get a termite. He saw all this happen, saw them taking out some of these cut logs that had the termites in them, picked up the termite, and took it to Jake. Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, but Jake has the termite. He, he's got it in a little vial. Uh, uh, same colony from the same building. Um, everybody's looking at this termite. They don't. They don't want to do it. Um, Jake says we don't do this unless everyone agrees. Um, but we can't let them start tearing through the forest. Uh, Rachel, Rachel holds her hand out first because of course, of course she does. Yep, gotta prove she's fine and brave. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, to her credit, Cassie. Uh, volunteers next Um, I love this line when Rachel was done I held out my own hand it was shaking it was shaking and I couldn't stop it from shaking the brightly lit mall food court suddenly seemed dark lord that tiny insect scared me deep down inside it truly scared me love to see trauma yep just so much trauma I made the note, this would be good wump if it weren't if they weren't fucking children. Yeah, like we're angst gremlins, we're not monsters. They decide to go that same night. Uh (laughs) we were supposed to use the afternoon to deal with chores and family stuff and homework. Try it sometime. Try doing homework when you think you may be going to your doom in a few hours. Try concentrating on math when you think you're, you have to turn into a termite and sneak into a heavily defended building. Good luck. <laughs> so instead of doing homework, she goes out to the barn uh, to help her dad. Her dad is like, oh, did you finish your homework? And she's like, no. Or, yes, mostly. She lies. Um, and they take a look at the skunk and how the skunk is doing. Um, uh skunk had to be sedated um it's a female i like this this little thing of her dad kind of examining the animal and making these little like thinking sounds pa hmm hmm pa 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 hmm (laughs) (laughs) that's the sound my dad makes when he's examining something interesting pa i don't know why he just does um, sure, you accept it when your dad does it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Although Cassie doesn't make as much fun as the others do of, of Axe playing with words. No, true, true. Um, but, uh, you know, her dad comments on it's a weird wound, it's too circular and clean, um, cauterize the tissue, uh, and he says, you know, she'll, she'll live, it'll be fine. 
Um, I wish I could say as much for her kits. And Cassie says, what? She has babies? Yeah, I'd say probably about six, seven weeks old. Um, she has babies out there somewhere in the woods? My dad started applying a new bandage. Cassie, you know nature plays rough. But they're too young to survive on their own, aren't they? I can't be sure, he said, not looking at me. It occurred to me then that sometimes maybe he lied to me too, for my own good, or because of what he thought was my own good. They're sitting in some den wondering where their mother is, I said. They'll starve to death or be eaten by predators. Hand me the scissors, my father said. <laughs> and, you know, it, it detours a little bit to uh, Cassie asking if she can uh, spend the night at Rachel's, which she doesn't actually plan to do. They're going to run a mission, but... Uh, mm -hmm. we get we get this of um you know they they kind of make small talk but she's very distracted because she's thinking about the baby skunks um and wishing that her dad hadn't been so quick to say yeah sure you can go have a sleepover with rachel um because she that that means that she can go on the mission and she can do all of this um I remembered the tunnels of the ants. I remembered them the way I saw them in my nightmares. I never had seen them in reality. Ants don't see very well, and there's no light underground. But in my dreams, I saw everything. I saw the huge, metallic-looking heads of the enemy ants as they crashed through sand walls and locked their massive pincers on me and tried to slice me into pieces. Do you know what it's like to think that you're going to die and never even get back to human form? To believe that you're going to die as an ant trapped in a hell that no human had ever been to? And now I saw, also saw those little skunk kits, starving, crying out, and with each cry signaling to some predator. Sweetheart, are you okay? I realized my dad was staring at me. I'd been breathing hard, almost crying. There were beads of sweat on my forehead. Yeah, fine. Fine, I said quietly. Uh, trauma. trauma. And also, no, I don't actually know what that feels like, Cassie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> can't say I do. Can't can't say I've experienced that particular emotion except vicariously. Uh mm -hmm. yeah. Um her dad finishes up his rounds and heads out. Cassie goes back to the skunk, opens the cage door and puts her hand in, gloveless, so she can acquire the skunk's DNA. Yeah. Oh my god, I just saw how the chapter starts. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <sighs> I love this kid. <laughs> uh, chapter 10. We begin with, well, what a surprise seeing you all here. <laughs> Marco I'm not going to say he said, you, you all know. <laughs> uh. Everyone's still up for this? Sure, Marco answered. We're looking forward to it. Who needs sleep when you can run off on a suicide mission instead? <laughs> At three in the morning. Uh. So they morph owls fly out towards the logging camp. Um, Tobias, of course, stays behind because he's not much use at night. Um, uh, again, Tobias feeling like he's useless to people. Again, um, Jake reassuring. Mm -hmm. uh, Even if Marco does throw some sarcasm <laughs> on that. <laughs> yeah. Mostly about being grateful for uh, the termite morph. Yeah. Um, and on the way to the logging camp, uh, 
Cassie uh, is on the lookout for the skunk kits. Um, <laughs> I like I like this this bit. Um, I tried to focus entirely on assuming the owl morph, but my brain was buzzing away. You know how sometimes you can't stop your brain from just racing around? It's like a computer that's playing a dozen programs at once. Cassie, that's the anxiety. <laughs> Big anxiety mood. Yeah. I was worrying about too many things. My science project, lying to my parents, whether Axe really tried drinking engine oil, whether the <laughs> baby skunks had already been killed. Maybe it was self-defense. I didn't want to start worrying about the thing that really worried me. Somehow my life had turned very, very weird. Um, and I, I do like this idea that these other worries, you know, she's using these other worries to distract herself, but they're still kind of given equal weight, mm -hmm. um, which continues this theme of like their quote unquote normal lives being equally important to their war lives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she, they all morph the owls. Um, she's on the lookout for the skunk kits um, because the owl is uh, perfectly evolved to find a bunch of uh, helpless prey animals. Um, and she manages, to, she does hear it. Um, uh, a noise against a background of noises, but this noise was one that the owl's brain wanted to hear. A noise the owl's brain had evolved to notice, the sound of helplessness, the sound of a weak creature, weak, tiny, helpless babies. Um, she hears five separate skunk kits, which will be a point later. Um, I like how it's four, no, five. Yeah. Separate voices. It's like, mm-hmm. Just owl yep. down. Uh and the mewling sound of the babies reached something inside me, inside the human Cassie. But to the owl, it was the sound of a meal. It's strange to have those two feelings in your head at the same time. Human compassion and the cold ruthlessness of, a, of the predator. Strange. And again, we get this whole description from Cassie while she's in this morph of <clears throat> the cold confidence of predators versus prey. Um, and in the predator morph, she, she, she mentions when she morphs the wolf that, uh, you know, it, it's a good morph. It's a, a morph that you feel powerful and secure in, um, compared to being a prey animal. But whenever she's in this predator morphs, at least in this book, she, the way that she describes them is in a much uh, more disparaging light than when she's in the prey animal. Mm -hmm. um, they get to the logging camp. She demorphs quickly because she doesn't want to feel the predator anymore. Um, and they kind of figure out, all right, well, we're here. Now, how do we get to the edge of the compound without being spotted as humans? Because we have to be in human. We have to be human in order to morph the termite. Axe suggests a distraction, um, and he basically is offering himself as the distraction, um, giving the Yerk something to chase. 
Um, uh, Jake is the one who says, no, you know, we need you inside in case there are your computers. We need you to be able to hack them. Um, and so instead they decide to draw straws. Um, short straw plays tag with the Yerks. First off, he offers the chance to volunteer. He does. Because he recognizes that although it's very dangerous, uh, it's probably safer than going inside mm -hmm. uh, as the termite. Um, he was offering me a way out, a way out to a way to avoid having to become a termite. I should have said yes. I wanted to say yes, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't take the easier way out. So because of that, when nobody volunteers, Jake does the uh, pulling straws. Um, and Marco's just like, next time, let's play another fun game. Yahtzee, baby. I don't like games that involve life and death. <laughs> um, but uh, surprise, everyone being surprised, uh, Jake is the one who winds up with the short straw. Mm -hmm. And Marco grins, just like, sooner or later, we had to try a mission without you, oh, great and fearless leader. Mm -hmm. um, but Cassie comments, none of them feel right going in without Jake, and now it was mm -hmm. too late to change it. Yep. This is only book nine, and already mm -hmm. they're so dependent on Jake. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It'll totally yeah. be fine and won't get worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Jake's like, okay, I'll be a wolf morph because uh, they'll be on the lookout for wolves. Tells them all to be careful, and Rachel's just like, go ahead, Mom. We'll be careful. We can handle this. Um, mm. But yeah. Jake makes the distraction. Um... <laughs> Uh, I appreciate that Cassie fucking shares some termite facts after yeah. Axe asks, and it's close. <laughs> she info dumps. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> because, of course, you know, when you're panicking about morphing a very tiny insect, the natural thing to do is to learn everything about that insect that you can. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, she, she info dumps about how uh, they have a society like ants, but they're closer to roaches. Um, they eat wood. Uh, Yada yada yada. The the ones that we're morphing are soldier termites. Um uh Jake starts the distraction. Um they all take the opportunity to uh basically army crawl closer to the force field. Um and then they huddle as close as possible, like some big group hug, so that when they're tiny as termites and blind, they can find each other um i like this from rachel it's it's very like it it is written as if it's just because they're on top of each other but also she had her arm around my back is very mm -hmm. comforting yeah um i was already sick with fear afraid for jake afraid for my friends afraid of the very thing i was about to become can i just say this sucks i muttered Amen, Marco agreed. We were shoulder to shoulder. My head touched his. And again, this Such is probably just because they're they're so close together, but also just like the forehead touching is what mm -hmm. it made me think of and just drawing strength from each other. We love a good forehead touch. Yep. Uh, and then as my very bones rattled and my teeth chattered from fear, I began the process that would dissolve my bones and melt away my teeth. Uh, 
I was going from a girl of less than five feet to an insect less than a quarter of an inch long. I was becoming something that could have crawled inside my own ear. Which, why that, Cassie? Why that? <laughs> why? <laughs> Already the others who had been so close seemed to be a long way off. With my eyes still mostly human, I could see Rachel's face lose its features and bulge out. I saw the monstrously big mandibles spring like black sideways tusks from her mouth. And then my eyes went dark. I was blind and I was glad. Um, and much like when we had the ant morph, um, where the, the exposition gets punchier and um, uh, more to the point, uh, we get a similar thing here with the termites. I couldn't see, but I could feel the antenna as they extruded from my forehead. I couldn't see, but I could feel the extra set of legs growing from my sides. I could sense, rather than see, that my head was huge compared to the rest of my body. I could sense that I had a swollen abdomen. I could feel the massive pincers where my mouth had been. I wanted to scream. I wanted to scream so badly, but I no longer had a voice. I no longer had a tongue. Um... But they all make it into the morph, and it's not as immediately traumatizing as the ant. Um, yeah, uh, right? yeah. They 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 check in, and everyone is present Themself. and accounted for, and themselves. Um, uh, but they do have a feeling uh, because they don't know exactly which way to go. Um, they do get a feeling that something is calling to them, which isn't disconcerting at all. Not a total you know, abiding. Totally normal. Uh, and so they kind of go in that direction, and it happens to be the correct direction because they reach the force field with before too long. Um, uh, Cassie finds a, uh, a, a pine needle that is at the border of the force field and the ground, and it casts a shadow um, that the force field is where the force field isn't. Um, uh, and they're able to climb through the shadow and get inside the force field. Uh, and suddenly the voice is much stronger. Great. For a weird moment, I actually thought it was my mother's voice and I wanted to go towards it. <sighs> okay. That's not creepy at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And she doesn't question it in the moment. Yes, either. because everybody seems kind of distracted, like they're passengers in a car that someone else is driving. Um, like they don't really want to talk to each other um, because they're listening to someone else. Um, and all of them are kind start of zoning out. Start like zoning out. Yes. Uh, so this is where that depersonalization thing comes in. Uh, big. Um, I will put in a timestamp for the end of this sequence, right about here. Hey, folks, future Danielle here. If this is an issue for you, you're going to want to go ahead and skip straight to part two. Thanks. Uh, and so if you uh didn't like the ant stuff and you other, like this. you won't like this. Uh, it's other uh hive shit. Um, so. Um, the opening was just ahead. I knew it was there. I knew that other soldier termites would be guarding the entrance. I felt no fear. I clambered up from the dirt into the tunnel opening. Familiar smells. Smells I knew. Home. 
home, my place, where I was from and where I belonged. I smelled the other soldiers with my antenna. They touched me with their antenna as I did to them. We were of the colony, the colony. And we get a lot of her walking along these tunnels and doing termite things. Um, she's caught up in the rush of workers, um, ends up going towards the egg chamber. Um, and it, very faintly, she hears behind, uh, underneath the termite brain, she kind of hears her own voice coming through. Um, where is it? Where did it start? Oh, yeah. What am I doing? An alien voice up. Yes. I ignored it. No, the voice cried. I had heard the voice before, but it came from far away and it spoke a language I didn't understand. No, no, no. Let me go. I felt a queasy, sickening feeling inside me, but still I powered down the tunnel, turning here, turning there, always moving toward a goal. There was a powerful smell. It was going stronger and stronger. I went to it. I had to go to it. No, let me go. Let me go. Down the black tunnels, over and through the packed rush hour streams of workers, to the center, to the core, to the heart. Help me. Help me. The voice screamed. The voice. My voice. The faint, failing voice of the human named Cassie. Me. Me. Suddenly, I was Cassie again. I knew my name. I knew who I was, but it no longer mattered. The termite body was out of my control. A stronger will than mine was guiding it. Um, so now we have uh, an, an, a very different kind of, well, different and also the same uh, experience to the ants. Uh, because although at the beginning of this book, uh, you know, they're... They're afraid of the termites because the ants were so vicious and attacked each other. Uh, but like many people do, they forgot that the real horror of the ants was completely losing themselves in the ant morph uh, with no sense of self. Um, and we have that again here. Only now when they snap out of it, it's not just, okay, well now I know who I am and I'm, I am in the body of an ant. And I can control the ant. Now they snap out of it and they can't. Um, they are termites in their home colony uh, and totally overwhelmed by the scent signals um, and unable to control their bodies. Uh, very much, I have no mouth and I must scream. Uh, and uh, trapped in your own head. Much like being a controller, frankly. I wonder if Jake had been with them, if he would have freaked Ooh. out the same way Cassie does. Mm. Since he has that trauma. Um, yeah. Yeah. Suddenly I knew who had seized control of the termite brain. I knew who had brushed my human mind aside. Um, and it is, of course, the termite queen. Um, I which love... Mm, go on. No, go for it. Uh, I find it very interesting the way in which Cassie is characterizing the actions of the Termite Queen. Mm -hmm. There's a certain level of intent that she's ascribing. To yes. it. And to be fair, from her perspective, that's absolutely what it feels like. Mm -hmm. 
But, and this is something we see is she applies a human morality or her morality to the actions of creatures that it's not applicable to. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, you see this in a conversation she has later with Tobias, and this is something that caused a little bit of a fun to and fro between Danielle and myself in the comments, and it's good, and I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to talking about it. But it's like... You ascribing a moral value to what is happening. That I'm using the general you here. My apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, to something that that those kinds of values have no business being ascribed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's very a thing you see in sci-fi all the time. But um, it's something that I, that's really only struck me on this read is the is that characterization Cassie is giving the actions. Yeah. So, um, and to be fair, she's using her filter of experience on it, mm-hmm. which is fair and understandable. But given everything else that happens in this book and the way she talks about other animals, I find it very interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's also like at the top, at the very top, when we were getting the descriptions of the uh, human controllers that could be people like us, the mm-hmm. evil cannibalistic taxons. Yep. And Again. then the whole, the whole budget being strong and something. And then. But unwilling, or I forget the exact phrasing. Mm-hmm. But she's sort of like, you are very judgmental, Cassie. Yes, she is. She's incredibly judgmental. And I suppose that is kind of the prerequisite of the heart because mm-hmm. she is a moral person that holds mm-hmm. herself to a certain standard. She then applies that standard to other people. Yes. So. Yes. And then seems baffled and hurt by other people not sharing her viewpoints. Mm-hmm. That's another tick to the autistic Cassie Head Cannonball. But yeah, it's, it's, I just, this is some good writing, is what I'm saying. This is good characterization, even if from an outside perspective, she's sort of like, oh my God, please, can we, can we not mm-hmm. with that? And to be yeah. fair, that's going to happen with everybody. Mm-hmm. It's just right now we happen to be with Cassie, who, has been gifted with some of the less desirable stuff. Yep. So. Yep. Um, the Cassie, queen the queen is here. The queen is gross as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to read it. It's so gross. Like we will not. We do not have to read the queen description. <laughs> do, do some googling. Let me be clear. When they when if you've ever seen aliens. That's not that far off from this. <laughs> or, or the slum queen in Futurama. In the way of many high queens, this is somebody with a small body with a big-ass part of their anatomy that does the egg laying. Yep. It's never pretty. Nope. So. Uh, but the queen has orders for these soldier termites to protect the egg-carrying worker termites. Uh, Cassie calls out to Rachel and Marco and Axe. Uh, they all kind of come back to themselves and are rightly horrified. Um, and even more horrified to know that they can't, they can't do anything. They can't stop. Um, meanwhile, Cassie has fallen into line with some of the workers moving, uh, through the queen's chamber. Um, and Rachel is the one who says the only way to get through, to get out of this, is to destroy the queen. Um, and Cassie 
puts two and two together that uh, she can trick the termite brain. And she draws on every ounce of her strength and uh, tells the termite mind that the queen is an ant. The queen looks like an ant. Her head, her feel feelers, her eyes, all like an ant. Um, she's the enemy. You must destroy the ant. Um, <clears throat> I clambered over a half dozen termites who were tending the queen. I could feel my will weakening. I couldn't get rid of the queen. I had to kill an ant. That was my purpose, to keep ants away from the queen. I scampered towards the queen's head. I felt my antenna touch her. I opened my massive pincer jaws. Termites ran around insanely. They were racing out of control, lost, confused. For a moment, I did the same. The queen was gone. I think in some way I wanted to forget who I was, what I had done. I wanted to become one of the lost, panicked termites. Um, and I find it interesting that we don't get the description of her killing the termite queen like the book because Cassie doesn't want to acknowledge that she does it exactly um love an unreliable narrator love an unreliable narrator uh everyone like else walking the memory of doing it yes exactly everyone else gets out and demorphs um and she tells herself to demorph um but she's still inside the wood um and so we get this very distressing sequence of her trying to become human again, uh, but being trapped inside the wood tunnels. Um, and it, uh, exactly what you think really mm -hmm. is what it is, is, is something small and squishy growing into something not small uh, and less squishy uh, inside a space that is rigid. Um, but luckily, Axe is outside, and he cuts open the wood, uh, much in the same way that he freed Marco earlier. Um, and she's able to demorph um, and uh, has es exploded, basically, out of the, the wood. Um, Rachel immediately tries to check in with Cassie. Uh, she bends down, asks if she's okay. Cassie gives her a hug and then freaks the fuck out. Mm -hmm.